I'm Catherine Arndt, the Chief of the VLGA Connect Studio. Welcome to today's episode, brought to you by the VLGA, your councillor support network and the national broadcaster on all things local government. Hello everyone, welcome to VLGA Connect and a special In Conversations edition today around about International Women's Day and it's time to talk about a particularly interesting uh, report on how violence against women creates barriers to female representation at the political level. Before I introduce our guest, I want to say hello to Catherine Arndt, the CEO of the VLGA, who's joining me for this special discussion today. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Chris. Um I'm very pleased to be here. It feels like it's been a while. And um, on behalf of the VLGA, I'm delighted to welcome our guest today, Meta, who I'll let you uh, formally introduce in a moment for this special episode of VLGA Connect, which, which as you said, will be uh, recognising International Women's Day 2023. Great to have you back, Catherine. It has it does feel like it's been a while since you've been on the show. Uh, so today's guest, Medha Majumda, was the Julia Gillard Next Generation Intern of 2020-2021 with Emily's List Australia. She's a PhD candidate at the Australian National University and Fox International Fellow at Yale University. If that's not impressive enough, Medha is also a recipient of the Westpac Future Leaders Scholarship. And she's produced a report called The Missing Women of a Australian politics, how violence against women creates barriers to female representation. It's great to have you on the program, Medha. Welcome. Thank you so much, Eddie and Catherine. Nice to see you. And uh, before we get into the question, which Catherine uh, will lead, can you just set the scene for how this report came about? I just wanted to make the comment, reading through the various observations and recommendations, while it's about politics at the, uh, the parliamentary level, a lot of this could easily be applied at the local government level, and I wonder whether that was part of the lens that you were putting across it as well. Yes, definitely. So I can give some background of how the report came about. So um, we began this work with Emily's List Australia um, because of um, allegations of abuse and harassment that the members were facing. And just for some background, Emily's List Australia is an organisation that supports women to enter politics. So they provide financial support as well as mentorship women um, in the early stages of their political careers, so when they're running their first campaigns and then henceforth. Um, so what we've discovered is that women within the organisation were reporting a kind of intimidation that they've been facing, abuse that they've been facing um, within their journey into politics. So we decided to engage in this research um, to try and understand the prevalence, the causes and the consequences of, these, of this abuse and then um, to develop some recommendations to assist Emily's List as well as other political organisations to support women um, who are facing these kind of tactics. And then the whole movement for women's involvement in politics really began. So in 2020 and 2021, as you would know, um, Brittany Higgins raised an allegation that she had been assaulted within Parliament House and it raised a number of voices who came forth and said that they had also faced similar um, abuse and harassment. Um, and from here, the whole project kind of snowballed and spiralled and we started to look at it across all political organisations. Um, so the report focuses upon um, the Australian Federal Parliament, but it also looks at experiences of women um, within state 
um, level politics as well as local government. That's a very comprehensive overview of how that report came about. And Meta, are you happy if we, we share a link to that report with this um, program? Yes, happy. Terrific. Look, I think you've talked a little bit about how the report came about and certainly how timely it was given those events you described back in 2021 uh, and, and beyond. Um, what did you find when you started the research? The findings, um, I guess I'll talk a little bit about the structure of the research and then maybe that will lead into the findings. So the research framework that I developed is to look at women's experiences across what we call the political pipeline. So as you know, Catherine and Chris, um, how women end up in political leadership positions often follows a process of first being younger women or girls who are interested in politics, to then becoming employees or volunteers in political organizations and for members of parliament, to then taking the leap to becoming a candidate and then eventually hopefully um, making it into parliament itself or becoming a member. Um, so what I found is that violence, kind of abuse, intimidation, harassment and bullying occurs at each stage of the political pipeline into um, political representation and leadership. So, Beginning with young women and girls, we first know that um, gender is perceived to be a barrier to engaging in a career in politics. So there's actually been research conducted by Plan International as well as the Forces Society. They found that girls disproportionately thought that their gender was a barrier to politics at a rate of 35% um, to boys of a similar age of a rate of 6%. Mm. From their accusations of sexual harassment in politics also makes them less likely to then decide to make um, to become politically engaged. So it's another deterrent factor. I ran a survey um, of people who had been involved in politics, present um, and former, and tried to gouge their experiences um, of abuse and harassment and intimidation um, during the course of their work. So with this survey, I found that amongst volunteers and employees, 83% had been harassed um, or verbally abused at work. 43% had faced unwanted sexual advances or attention or behavior. And 30% had even faced physical assault in the course of their work. These were quite staggering statistics um, to myself and the team. But then we also gained some anecdotal evidence um, through the interviews that I conducted as part of the research. So I spoke to candidates who'd been through this process um, and they described facing intimidation at the pre-selection process before gaining party endorsement. And this intimidation often came from opponents who were trying to dissuade them from running in that pre-selection contest um, with the idea that they're you know, limiting their career, they're not supporting the main front runner um, and they're not going to be supported in the party later on if they run now. If they were able to gain pre-selection um, by the political party, they often faced abuse on that election campaign. And when you refer to that, that survey, you're talking about interviews with women across all different parties, not just limited to one party. Yeah, correct. So yeah. the survey was open to anyone with any involvement in politics um, and people who were interested in politics as well. The survey was open to people from local government, um, from the local government level, at the state level, as well as the federal level. So we gained responses um, from all levels, as well as um, different political parties, both from men and women. 
What did you learn that surprised you? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I think we knew that violence and harassment was a systemic issue in politics in Australia. What was difficult to kind of comprehend was the scale that it was occurring. Um, but what did surprise me as well was the pre-selection process and how this area of Australian politics is, um, is quite hidden from public view, which makes the opportunity for intimidation even more prevalent. Um, pre-selection processes aren't really transparent in Australia. There's a lot of rules um, that govern them, so much so that contests um, are kind of almost decided before they even happen. Are, are there overseas models that are, I guess, better than the one that we have in regard to pre-selection? I believe that there are um, in terms of having a fully transparent contest or making sure that there's more than one candidate um, in running. That's a That would be one or something um, even on the, I guess, there's been some research out of ANU actually that showed that um, the pre-selection contests in Australia have very different rules depending upon where you're actually situated. Mm -hmm. So having a uniform structure of pre-selections across parties or um, across different levels of government can help to, you know, provide transparency to that process. Um, I did look at international examples as part of this report and mainly spoke to women's organisations in the UK who had been supporting women to go through this process um, and they had provided similar, similar support that Emily's List provides in terms of financial support as well as um, a mentoring support to get through that process. I did see in the report that you referenced the Interparliamentary Union. Is that a UK-based entity or is that a... I, I just wasn't familiar with that and I was just staggered to see that in the research that they conducted, they found that close to 82% of women parliamentarians had experienced a form of violence within their term of office. It's quite staggering. Yeah, so the Interparliamentary Union um, supports women from all, um, I guess, across Europe. Um, so they, like, include, they run surveys that... Um, um, supports women who are already within the political system. But, yes, their results um, were reflected in our findings as well. And as you know, I think I might have mentioned it to you, Meta, the VLGA is a partner organisation in an ARC linkage grant yeah. along with La Trobe Uni and Melbourne Uni. So we're working with the amazing uh, Professor Dr Andrea Carson and Professor Leah Rappiner and um, they're co-authored um, or they have co-authored an academic paper which is still awaiting approval I believe to be formally published looking specifically at incivility and gender abuse in local government which has come about from a very targeted four-year research project looking at local government um, and we're very proud and delighted to be a partner with that. So we're going to hear from um, Andrea on some of her findings later this week. Um, if there were five key takeaway messages from your research and the, and the report the, that we've been talking about today, what would they be? Yeah, I really support this project that the BSBA has been part of. Um, it is fantastic and it's really shown that um, by focusing a light on local government has really exposed the issues that women face in that. And some of the early findings from that project have been corroborating the research that's been developed by IPU as well as Emily's List in terms of showing that um, younger women in um, 
roles of leadership and representation face a disproportionate amount of abuse from the public. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see the course of that research proceed. In terms of five key takeaways, I'll start by going through, I guess, the main theme that's come out of this research. Um, and what I found is that violence against women in politics is a systemic cycle in Australia. Um, going through that political pipeline process from girls being interested in politics, um, volunteers, candidates, and then MPs. Um, what I found is that the experiences of MPs at a, at a federal level or a, or a state government level, anywhere that's really visible, deters girls from then entering politics. So it's kind of a cycle that continues and perpetuates itself if it isn't acted upon um, immediately and shown that there's avenues of recourse. I'd be happy to go into some of the recommendations for the other kind of four key, key takeaways. Um, we'd made 27 recommendations as part of this report. Um, and these were mainly directed at women's organizations, political parties, um, unions, the parliament, and basically any organization that tries to support, promote, um, but also facilitate women's journeys into political leadership. Um, what we really need is an improvement in codes of conduct and training across these organizations, as well as improvements to informal reporting and support structures. The main, one of the main takeaways from the interviews that I undertook was that reporting mechanisms in political organizations need to be transparent, confidential, independent, and they also need to deliver timely outcomes with direct consequences for perpetrators. Political parties, I also believe, need to make um, bullying and intimidation a reason for disqualification from um, party endorsement, to send a really clear message that that is unacceptable if you're going to be representing um, Australians. And it should also be part of um, ensuring that it's a disqualification from membership as well. Um, we also found that MPs and staff need to be kind of informed and trained about how to handle online abuse. There's a lot of research coming out about how this is um, a very open space that isn't well regulated um, and social media companies do not, are really not accountable for what happens on their platforms. Um, and they need to be able to, they need to be held accountable and step up to take responsibility for what happens there. But I also wanted to focus on, um, I guess the recommendations for us as you know, citizens in Australia and what we, what we expect to see in politics starts with us. Um, I'd really recommend anyone to firstly encourage any young women that you know who are excited, interested, passionate, um, and are committed to their community to enter politics. Telling them really directly that they would be good in politics, that you will support them and then follow that through is a really important message that needs to be said. Um, there's also aspects like treating others um, with respect, whether or not that you agree with their political background or their opinion, engaging in a respectful conversation is the way to approach it rather than trying to shut down someone through an abusive tactic. We really need to call out bad behavior as we see it. And this is a recommendation for everyone who has an interest in politics. So that means not supporting people with a track record of bad behavior or a questionable um, questionable behavior in the past. 
That means telling your friends and calling it out when you see them engaging in it, when they see when you see them engaging in disparaging conversations, because that's where it really begins. Medha, uh, one thing that strikes me about your report is the title, The Missing Women of Australian Politics, and you're referring to those women who have not even entered the fray because of the fears of the the violence that uh, or the behaviour that they're going to put up with. What does that and and I'm looking at this with a local government lens as well, because I'm sure there's many people in that boat. What does that say about the people who are in politics and who do not so much thrive, but survive in that environment? What's the lesson or the observation there? It's a tricky one. Um, let's just start with the missing women of Australian politics. The title arose because we wanted to understand who's been really left out um, of politics, who was engaged um, and excited to be involved, and then were kind of pushed out of the system. And that's really a number that we haven't been able to quantify. And I, I hope one day we are able to really understand who's been pushed out of politics prematurely. I think it does say something about who's able to remain in Australian politics. In the past, and I believe it is changing, so there is some room for hope within this, in the past, politics has been a very, I guess, a dangerous game that's been played. Um, so the people that have been able to survive um, have either accepted that abuse and harassment is part of the game, and that's what they need to put up with, or they've been perpetrators of that, um, which makes it quite a complicated thing. Um, that doesn't mean to say that everyone in politics who's there now is you know a perpetrator or anything like that it just means that the systems have allowed for that to continue um so that's something that we really need to get working on can i ask the, this how long has this report been out there medha it's been it was published um in august 2021 right so what has the reaction or the response been to it and has that met your expectations yeah it, it has been, i was quite surprised with the response i think there was a lot of work being done on this area um when it was published so the jenkins review was imminently just about to be released um and then there was a lot of conversation happening so once it was published um it was interesting to see how i guess you know the media took it up and were engaged with this topic and really wanted to you know spread the message about what the research showed but also about how people would approach myself or the team and speak to them about their experiences or um, or about you know what the findings showed and what it meant for Australia. I think people have a real stake in the game and everyone wants to see better political representation in Australia. Meta, I think Chris probably asked the same question um, that I had on my list, and that was how or what advice you would give to women who are already in this political system? How do they navigate the current structures and system that you've identified and lots of other research has identified is not is far from ideal? And how do they stay safe? What advice can you give to those women? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think the landscape on this is really changing as well because um, yeah, since the Jenkins review was published and the respect at work um, recommendations are being implemented, that is going to change the game um, in terms of reporting structures and accountability. Um, so being aware of that is something to be um, 
something to definitely take on board. Understand what are your choice, what are your options if you face abuse at work. Um, I think that they are still in the process of implementing this work, but it allows for greater avenues um, to you know, have recourse. Um, but it, I guess in the day-to-day -day terms, um, I think the best thing to do would be to start by developing a network around you. Informal support structures um, is something that came out in the report that was really important for making women feel safe at work. Um, so ensuring that there's people that you can talk to at your level or a bit of me, a bit senior to you um, that you could you know, speak to for support, that you could get advice for, and that could also um, get advice from and who could also kind of protect you within that environment. It, it is also a numbers game, um, which and I think helps if, once you reach a critical mass of women in politics, it will make a difference. Um, and the other thing is that I think we really need to be, for women in politics, we really need to be proactive about this. So it is about you know, seeking help from other people around you, your peers, but also providing help to people who are in, in your immediate space. So providing help to younger members, if they're volunteers, if they're interns, um, making sure that you're available to them. That will uplift the culture over time. I think um, that's a perfect way to um, wrap, out, wrap up our conversation. But what one thing I did want to ask is what's next for you? What are you working on now? What are you researching? Yeah, thanks. Um, I'm still in the process of completing my PhD, which is an unrelated topic to this, but on democracy studies. Um, so that's my, that's my next step. But then hopefully we'll be continuing to work in public service or in the community sector and, um, yeah, stay engaged in that area. Well, congratulations on what you've done so far and all the best for that work that you're still doing, Medha. And uh, thank you very much for joining us today to talk about your observations and recommendations. And here's hoping people continue to take notice and that it contributes to the solution going forward. Well done. And Catherine, thank you for being part of the conversation today. Always good to have you on VLGA Connect. My pleasure, Chris. Thank you for uh, leading us through yet another really important conversation. And I think perhaps we should have Meta back when she's finished her PhD to talk about the topic, um, looking at democracy, I think you mentioned. That would be very relevant, I think, for us too. Absolutely. Open invitation there, Medha, and thank you and all the best. And thank you to you, the viewer and the listener, for joining us again on VLGA Connect. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube and on your podcast player for future episodes. We've got lots more coming for you very soon. Until then, bye for now.